Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be continuing our verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. The title of this sermon is, Jesus Christ Himself Being the Chief Cornerstone. Here is the first half of this two-part study. You know, we talked about that last week as we had these polarizing people in the church of Ephesus, right? You had the, 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 the Jews that were legalistic and, and dietary laws and the Sabbath, and we got, you got to hang on to that. Then you had the Gentiles that were doing uh, magic and casting spells and actually trying to call on spirits. And these two groups that hated each other become one because of Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of what Jesus does. And so we'll look at this. I just entitled this simply, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. We'll look at it in three parts. Uh, Fellow citizens and saints in verse 19. Foundations built upon the chief cornerstone in verse 20. And then fitted and built together in verses 21 and 22. Uh, you know, as we talk about those two polarizing groups that come together, one of the things that was talked about in the last scripture that we had last week is that, that Jesus dissolved the wall that was between them. Remember in the temple, there was a wall for the Gentiles. If they went past that wall, they were stoned to death. And that wall has been dissolved now. Uh, when Jesus was resurrected, the 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 veil's been torn, and we have access to God. Now we all have access to God. And, and so there's something that I wanted to share as we talk about that access to God that I meant to share last week as we, we had so much going on with communion and everything else. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And we were talking about how the Trinity is there, but I want to talk about that word access. That word access in the Greek actually means uh, that, that it is a court official that brings the person to the king. There's no way, nothing you possess, nothing in your rights, nothing that you could do to get to the king, but this person brings you to the king. And it's the same the access that we have. This is what he's talking about. If you have access because of Christ, you have access to enter the presence of God. And that word is only used a few times in the, in the New Testament in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, having justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, him, through whom also we have access by faith 
into, uh, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And then we'll look at it again next week in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. In Him we have boldness and access with confidence through, uh, through faith in Him. And so we have access, and that access is a reminder to us that you have access to God. You have a relationship with God. You can go to God. There's no pastor that you need to go to. You have access to it. If you're a follower of Christ, you have access to it. Now, I'll pray with you, but you have the same access that I have. And that's the importance of it. Is it, it when we talk about you know, remembering who Christ is, it's, it's John 14, 6. Jesus said to, uh, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to remember, last week we talked about Jesus being the mediator to God the Father and us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, uh, in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no one else. The only, we talked about it, the only door this past weekend on Wednesday nights, we talked about the door. There is only the one door on the, on the ark. And the, the, what did Jesus say in John in the I am statements? He said, I am the door. There's no other way. He is the mediator. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is, no, there is one God and one mediator between God and, and man and the, the, the man Christ Jesus. And as we talk about this, all of this goes back to the adoption. We are a household of God, the members of the household of God. It's about access. It's, we're, we're adopted. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. If you were going to be adopted by a Roman, you would be adopted and you would be you would receive the name, you would receive the benefits, and you were insured an inheritance if you were, if you were a Roman, if a Roman adopted you. And, and so spiritually speaking, you've been adopted as sons and daughters, as followers of Christ. You're just a bunch of sinners, just like I am, that were saved by grace through faith and were united by Jesus Christ. That's it. We've been adopted. And one of the things he's going to talk about is, is the church. What does the church look like today? That's one of the things we'll look at. The church is simply a place of worship. It's a place for the Word of God where truth reigns, not man's opinion. Okay? Very, make sure you understand that. The importance is the context of Scripture, not my opinion. That's the problem with a lot of a lot of the churches today is they're too focused. They, you know, they'll give you a, a piece of scripture and then they talk for an hour. And that was the only piece of scripture you got. That's why we're verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Next week we finish chapter 2. We'll be in chapter 3 next week. That's why we do this. We see the, the beginning of the church in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, I love the picture. It's a great picture of the, 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 the church and the, the reason why the word of God is, is primary. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women. And those who could understand. 
And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. So we see God's word is primary. The church is supposed to be a house of prayer in Matthew chapter 21 verses 13. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. See, when we get so focused on trying to entertain you as a church, we got problems. That's not our job is to entertain you. Our job is to, 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 to come and have a place for you to, to worship God and, and to, uh, to hear the truth of God's word. And, and, and so I, I heard it explained this way simply as a pastor was talking about the church is a, um, a hospital when you first come in to be healed. We deal with a lot of things when we come into church. I know me and my wife came in, 22 years of it. We had a broken marriage. And God had to do a lot of healing in our hearts. And so we were in the hospital for a year, so to say. The church hospital. Kind of just allowing the word of God to, to work in our hearts. And I, I think Pastor Jim, I love the way that he would say it. He's like, he's, God is massaging your heart. And he's working out all that stuff that needs to get put out. And that's what God was doing. But at some point, we started becoming part of the family. We started serving. About a year into it, we became brothers and sisters of Christ, and we got baptized. And, you know, it doesn't take that long, but when you have 22 years and five kids, it took us a year to get it all worked out, okay? And that's with Christian counseling as well. It may take you a week, two weeks. It, it's okay. But eventually, you become part of the family of God. You start serving. You, you, you have something that God has you do, and you start serving others. You're here to fellowship. You're here to pray with others. You're here to rejoice with others when they're having birthdays and they're getting married. You're also here to mourn with them when they lose a loved one. That's what family does. But at some point, as a pastor, my job is to prepare you for the army of the Lord. Very important. Because you have a mission that I've been given as well. Now, all of us military guys, we go, okay. What do you need me to do? When we think about Jesus being the commander-in-chief, we go, okay, I get that, right? But you have a mission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the na uh, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always... I am with you always to the end of the age. You're being sent out to share the gospel. You're, being, uh, you're, you're here to make disciples. And guess what? When those disciples start walking, then they're supposed to make disciples. And there will be times when you need to come back to the hospital. You go through things because that's what life does. You get sick, something happens, and you need to sit in the hospital for a little bit. You just need to be at the feet of Jesus. And you get refreshed. And you're back up again, and you start back up again in the army of the Lord. There is no retirement in the army of the Lord. So, like, even my mom, my mom's sick right now, but God can use her. She can be, she can be a prayer warrior from that bed. God can still use you. Until you're called home, God has a purpose for you. And, and we need to understand that. That's part of the church. I think a lot of times when we first come into it, we're like, what do you mean you serve others? I don't get that. Well, that's, that's where it starts at home, right? And that's why he talked about peace, the peace, we preach peace. 
and, and Christ preached peace. And, and so we have peace with God now. And so, you know, to understand, like, it, it is just a, a reminder that the reason we come to the church is to, to hear God's word, to worship God. Worship is not for you, just FYI. If you go into a church and you go, well, I don't know why y'all are doing the TV. Well, we've been praying for somebody to sing. Can you sing? <laughs> Can you play an instrument? Right? But in the meantime, this is what we have and this is what we do. You go to some churches, they do hymns. And you go, man, I'm not really into the hymns things. It's not for you. It's for God. Worship's for God. The other thing we learn is we learn how to love God and love people. You learn how to confess your sin and be real with your brother and sister in Christ. Don't come in here with your mask on, being a hypocrite. When I say mask now, you everybody freaks out like, oh, we're doing, no, not that. We're talking about, you know, the mask of being a hypocrite. Because that's what that meant, that word means, is putting on a mask. You hide it. You come through the doors like everything's okay. I'll be real with you. Because I, I want you to be real with me. We come in here to serve. We come in here to pray for each other. We're not here for our self-centeredness and our self-purpose. That's not what the church is for. So as we look at our first point, we are fellow citizens and saints. Those that have chosen to follow Christ. Remember that Paul is writing this to the believers, to the followers of Christ, to the church of Ephesus. And he says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. I love that. He tells them that, that Paul is identifying the Gentiles. Remember, we, we read about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And we talked about how sad that would be to have no hope without God. They were being controlled by the power and the, the prince of the air, Satan. And I was too before Christ for 39 years. It tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because they all, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into a, an image and made like corruptible man and birds, four-footed animals, and creepy things. So all that's saying is that they picked up false gods. But did you catch that part in verse 21? They knew God, but they did not glorify him as God. If you go up and ask somebody, do you know God? They're going to tell you yes. Do you know Jesus? They're going to tell you yes. But do they know him personally as a relationship? Because if not, what happens is, is they become futile in their thoughts. It, it, their hearts get darkened. Their hearts get hardened. They become enemies of God. And we know that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. It says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of, of the cross of Christ. Now, what he's talking about being an enemy of the cross of Christ, he's saying that they only care about their physical gratification and their self-centeredness. Number one thing that a teenager wants to be right now, the number one career, an influencer. Not a doctor, not a lawyer, 
an influencer. That is narcissism at the top level. Self-centeredness at the top level. And that's right now, that's our culture. They're enemies of the cross. They know God, but they refuse to follow God. I watched a, a, a pastor in, in uh, London, England, sharing the gospel on the street. And he had an atheist come up to him, and he started sharing, and he talked about how if Jesus Christ showed up right now, and you knew he was real physically, would you follow him? No. Why? I like my life the way it is. So now you understand why they have the darkness of the mind and the heart gets hardened? Because they refuse to follow God. There are going to be people that are that way. Unfortunately. You've got to keep praying for them. Because God has to soften that heart. Has to massage all that hardness out. In Philippians chapter, chapter 3 verse 19 it says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. They are driven by worldly desire. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Worldly desire. They're driven by their belly. That's what that means. The gut. This is what I need. Doesn't matter if it goes against God's word. But let me tell you something. Christians need to be very careful because you can be driven by your belly too. Your gut. But God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit to, to not have to deal with those things because you can deal with the temptation here before it gets to the heart. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You are without excuse. They're blinded. They're just following the prince and the power of the air and the course of the world. And then verse 20. Let me get back to it here. I get moving too quick. I get excited and I miss it. Verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And that's what he's talking about. Your citizenship is in heaven. But I want you to understand something. This is not your home. You need to have a light touch on the things of this world. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, it says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This is a fallen world. And this is not your home. It's not it. God is preparing a place for those that are His. In John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. See, God is preparing a place for you on, in eternity. But on this side of eternity, we have the members of the household of God. That's what we have. Built upon the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And we forget that. See, that's the thing that, that, that I love. You know, I, it, it was always hard. You know, we were, the church that we came from in San Antonio was a little bigger. A lot bigger. And so it's easy to get lost in a big church. You can come and go and not say hi to nobody. You can just do the little quick hello, goodbye, and they're gone, right? And, and so one of the things I love about us is that we are a place of, of love. We're, we actually want you to feel at home. We want you to feel as your brothers and sisters that your family here, that you're welcomed here. We want to celebrate with you and your family. We want, to, we want to be there when you, you know, we're all going to go through mourning. 
All of us. And we want to be there when you go through that. That's what a church does. Why? Because we're citizens and saints and we're members of the household of God. But remember, this is not your home. The closest thing that you're going to find is church. Where you can worship God. You can hear the word of God. You can have fellowship with each other. Because God is making us one through the Holy Spirit. Because we have access to God now. Quickest thing that you can do for somebody when they're going through something is point them to God. Point them to Christ. Not yourself. Not yourself. Point them to... the to, This is why you're supposed to have the Word of God on your heart. You should have scriptures. You should be ready in and out of season to share something with someone if need be. Our second point is the foundation built upon the chief cornerstone. In verse 20 it says, uh, Having built upon the foundation of the apostles... And the prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now some of y'all in y'all's translation may not have chief cornerstone. The King James and the New King James have it and I love it. It should be there. It's just one of those things I like. And, and so Paul is, is describing the spiritual temple here. The church foundation. And, and so it's important for us as we look at this. Jesus Christ is the foundation. The chief cornerstone. Anything else that's built without Christ, you need to run from. You know, I, if you come from a Mormon faith, I don't mean to, to insult you, but they, they, what they believe in Christ is false. What the Jehovah's Witness believe in Christ is false. They're false teachings. What the Muslims believe in Christ is false. That is not the foundation of the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, where the church is built upon. Because they believe that, that Jesus is the brother of the devil. Or he's just a prophet. And that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that, that he is the word. People always say, I want, I just, man, if I could just hear from God. Open his word. That's how you hear from God. Pop that app open on your phone and listen to it. He is the chief cornerstone. There is no other cornerstone that of church that should be built upon without him and if it is you need to run from that church he is the strong foundation but i love that he shares the apostles and the prophets and the prophets at this time you know as he talks about the old testament prophets and the new testament prophets but we'll talk about the difference of those the prophets would teach the word of god the apostles here we know, y'all know the apostles, the disciples, and, and then they were, you know, you had the apostle Paul as well. And God would speak uh, to him, uh, through him, uh, in, in his word. And as he, after the resurrection, he grabs all of the, the disciples and he has to have a powwow and he has to open the scriptures up to them. Because they were still missing it. They were common men, tax collectors, insurrectionists. They actually would love to th overthrow the Roman government. We had, you know, if I could overthrow the Roman government, I'm happy. That's what they wanted to do. And then you had fishermen. But Jesus pulls them at Luke 24, verse 44. He says, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you, which I was still with you, that all the things must be fulfilled, which are written in the laws of, law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus is going to open their understanding, open their mind to go, you know what, when you read this in Genesis, that's about me. When you read this about the prophets, that's my coming. They missed it. 
He's opening up their understanding. So when you read the Old Testament, Jesus is there. From Genesis to Revelation. And so they, they understood the scriptures. And see what happens is when we don't agree or we don't accept any portion of scripture. Or we think that something needs to be added to this. Anything that is in the Bible, nothing has to be added to it or taken away from it. It's one of the last pieces of scripture in the book of Revelation. So you think, then this is what happens with people who don't follow Christ. They think that they have some new knowledge that the apostles didn't get, that the prophets didn't get, that Jesus Christ himself didn't get, that this thing, y'all missed it. And we need to add it to the Bible. So when we disagree, we're disobeying God. When you don't accept it, you're disobeying God. When you say this needs to be added to it, I don't know why God didn't do that. You ain't God. And neither am I. Don't disagree with it. Don't think anything needs to be added to it. It's His Word. It's His Word. And so He... This is the beauty about the Apostles. The Apostles were a mess. And so are we. And that's the beauty about the Bible. The Bible is a bunch of sinners. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 